We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. Sometimes a significant life event can cause a paradigm shift. In an instant, you see the world differently. You see your relationship to the rest of the world differently. If you are an artist, these types of events will change your creative output. On this episode of Eager to Know, I am happy to share my conversation with Chicago-based emerging artist, Alex Prue. So Alex, welcome to the podcast. Um, Of course, you and I have spoken a little bit before this. We did a little bit of a a pre-interview. So I I have some background on you. I wanted to start the conversation by asking you to talk about the artwork that you're currently doing. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, So um, I uh, am a visual artist who uh, has been at Andersonville Galleria Uh, for about a year and a half now. And I just recently had my first solo show. So what I made kind of the theme of of the show was the idea of the figurative abstract, which is something that I really enjoy working in. And for me, what that means is like, what can I do that makes you recognize the subject of the image without it being worried about realism? So creating textures that represents feathers, for example, while not actually trying to realistically draw a feather, right? Um, And so I use a lot of really bright color and uh, I try and, you know, engage with the viewer in that they will hopefully, you know, have fun looking at my images, but they will connect with it in some way that isn't like it directly told a story. It directly showed a realistic image, right? Have you ever done realistic art in the past and you've moved away from it? Like, how did you get to this place that this is what you're doing? From a visual art point of view, when I was a teenager, I did some photography. But in terms of like realistic renderings, uh, you know, uh, you know, using like pen or ink or anything like that, I've never really focused on realism as an art. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly why that is, but uh, I do really enjoy cartoons like, you know, Futurama, etc. And so I think that kind of like my connection with those helps me to uh, kind of express, like, have a really true connection with expression that isn't like based in reality. So I'm not trying, I'm not worried about creating a realistic, you know, image in order to connect with you. Yep, that makes sense. How long have you been doing this type of work? Uh, I started drawing and painting uh, in earnest in about 2017 uh, due to largely due to the prompting of a friend of mine, my best friend, Bree, who uh, is loves art and loves street art and would take me around all of Chicago and see all the wonderful street art that's all over the city. And she would be like, do you want to paint with me? And it'd be like, sure. And so we would sit down and we would just, you know, start painting. And from there, I kind of realized that it was really a nice way to channel my creative energies. It gave me control over, you know, what the result was going to be. Um, I, in college, I was a creative writing major. So I have, you know, background in writing, but kind of sometimes when you're writing, it's really a long project and it's really, you know, a lot of time of work before people can really 
appreciate the work that you've put into it. And sometimes if you don't get the right audience, it never gets appreciated at all. But kind of with visual art, it was cool because it was like, I saw a blank page and then I saw what I did with a blank page. And it was, I like, it was freeing in a lot of ways. Was there a gap between when you were doing creative writing? Because you don't do writing for work, correct? I don't, no. I, right. I currently, I work in software. Um, and okay. yeah, there there was a gap. Um, when, uh, so kind of like I said, I was a, a creative writing major in college. And after school, I was kind of encouraged into sales jobs. And I didn't really like them. Um, but uh, I didn't also really have an opportunity to do a lot of writing because, you know, work, right? You had to go work your, your nine to five. Um, and then uh, as a young adult, I was diagnosed with HIV and that was a really, really difficult experience. Um, and something that it really did was made my, uh, you know, my writing kind of less of a, it felt kind of more shallow or more, you know, like, like it had less meaning almost because it was like, oh, so what? I wrote some stupid poem or, you know, some short story, right? But it kind of didn't feel like it had uh, reason. So uh, I, it, visual art kind of became a way after a while for me to kind of take back that creative space. So were, were you actively writing when that diagnosis happened? Or was the writing uh, in the past? The right. I mean, you know, we're talking about me graduating school at 22 and me being diagnosed at 24. So, uh, in the scheme of things, it was a relatively short time. But with kind of relocating, I grew up in New Jersey and I had moved out to Chicago, you know, in March of 2013, and kind of reestablishing myself as an adult out of school. Uh, you know, a, writing had definitely fall. I kind of was like when I did try and apply for some kind of writing experience, it was resting on the stuff that I had written in college as opposed to really producing a lot of new stuff. Uh, just because, you know, my energy was spent traveling to different places in order to sell teriyaki sauce or whatever it was. Yeah. So I, I didn't have time. Yeah. So uh, what I'm trying to figure out with the timing question is I'm trying mm -hmm. to figure out, obviously you have this significant event that happens in your life and yeah. you mentioned that it changed the way you felt about the creative work that you had been doing. What I'm trying to figure out is, was it like there was an a active creative process happening that was a all of a sudden a 45 degree turn mm. happened with it? It sounds like that isn't what happened. Like it sounds like you weren't really creative. This situation happened, this life event, and it did it also inspire you to be creative, but I want to do it in a different way? Well, I think that I've always been a creative person. I grew up, uh, you know, really having a, I was in theater for many years from the time that I was 13 until I was in college. Um, and I kind of grew up in a household where both of my parents are scientists and, you know, math brained people. And there was kind of a uh, art isn't a career kind of mindset that uh, was uh, kind of put on us. So not put on us, but you know, encouraged. And so um, while I did have a lot of creative outlets where like I would do theater or I would, you know, sing, I, I was in the choir, right? I, it was kind of shown to me as a hobby, as something that I did in my 
off time. It was a privilege in that when I didn't, if I was doing poorly in school, my artistic, you know, hobbies were kind of revoked from me. So uh, I was always a creative person, but I wasn't ever, I, I was having a really hard time approaching kind of like the professional creative space. You, you have siblings? I do. I have uh, three siblings, so there are four of us total. Uh, okay. I am the oldest boy. And um, of the four of us, actually, we are a bunch of very creative children. So I'm really not sure where my like what my parents, you know, did. But um, they, like uh, my older sister is a writer. Uh, my younger brother is an engineer, which is absolutely creative in its own right, even if it's a little bit different than kind of the visual arts or, or whatever. Um, it's definitely an abstract thought process that you know a lot of people don't have uh and then my little sister also has been creative she has done art she has done theater she has done choir so they really uh had lots of creative creativity you know uh encourage you know in us and i think part of that was they encouraged us to do puzzles and they limited our screen time so we had to go outside and we had to use our imagination and it really helped us to build those like kind of critical thinking skills and you know abstract thought skills as a child. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that your parents would um, pull, pull back on your artistic stuff if your grades went down. And it yeah. reminds me of you hear people that have weight problems talk about how when they were, uh, when they were bad, they went to bed without supper. And it yeah. caused like all these food issues. That's yeah. the first thing I thought of. And it was really interesting because it was like, I was felt like I wasn't allowed to, you know, apply for my you know, or try out for my shows, right? If I had grades in my math classes and I didn't care about math. So this like, didn't seem like a fair trade. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm supposed to go to college. I'm, I'm, you know, 17. I'm, 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 my parents are being like, go to school, go to college, but I'm not being allowed to go for theater, which at the time was my creative outlet. And it's what I wanted to do. They said, you can always do theater, but if you don't have a degree in something, you can't necessarily get a job. And as a 17 year old, all you're hearing is like, no, you can't, you, you're not allowed to, right? And it felt very restrictive. But like, as an adult, I see that my parents were just like, we don't want you to not be, you know, to not have a job. We want you to be safe. We want you to be taken care of, right? Um, of course. What One thing that I remember looking back at when I was getting out of my, so my freshman year of college, I ended up going to Rutgers University and I was part of the RUTV floor and they were like the journalism floor, but we had this really great video editing suite in like on our floor. So I would just like in go your, spend, in your, do in your yeah, dorm. Yeah. Oh, and it was supposed to be to like make art RUTV projects, but like when it wasn't being used, I was like filming music videos on my camcorder and then like editing it together in the suite. So, I was really like, I'm going to go to film school now. That's what I'm going to do. And I told my parents and I kind of got the standard response of like, okay, well, you know, this is what you're, you're taking on this much in loans. You're doing, you know, this, you know, thing. And I ended up not doing it. And years later, my father said to me, I was really surprised. I really thought you were going to do it. I was like, oh. And so it was like really funny because my parents are like, not, not encouraging, but like when I was, at that time, that's what I saw. I saw it as like, you know, don't, this is not a career, right? So it was really interesting in 2018 when I'm, I've created my Instagram, I've started to take myself more seriously as a visual artist. 
I go home and I tell my mother, mom, I'm, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be a professional artist. It's what I'm going to try and do. And she was kind of like, okay, so what? So you're going to do it. Like, okay. Um, and at the time it was kind of like a shock. Cause it was like, this has been such a, you know, an experience for me, but really, you know, you learn that it's all about perspective and what, I, what a really good thing that came out of that was that I was able to say to my mother, like, I would love if you engaged with me in my artistic endeavors uh, and like, and just like talk to me about my projects and stuff like that. Cause it would just make me, it would, it would just be a really, you know, great experience for me. And she has really, you know, done that very, very well. She sends, she'll wake up and be like, I had an idea for one of your projects. And like, it was, it's like really, really great. So it's so interesting to see kind of the full circle of that relationship. This sounds like a coming out process. Like you actually came <laughs> out to your mom, mom, I'm an artist. Yeah. Right. And I've had a couple of those. My parents are very Catholic. So the first one as a teenager was me being like, I'm not a Catholic. My mom actually took that the worst of all of my coming outs like <laughs> that I've had to have for her through my life. And then it's, you know, gay. And then it's like when you when you've become HIV positive, it's like so it just and then becoming an artist. So there's just been a lot of coming out processes that my parents have had to go through, but they've handled it with relative, you know, relative ease, relative uh, good graces. All right, good. So let's talk about this HIV diagnosis and sure. um, the impact that that had on your artwork. Uh, because I know that when you and I spoke in our pre-interview, you know, that was something that you mentioned um, at the end. I, th I think we had talked about your story and mm -hmm. I was kind of wrapping up the phone call. And then you're like, well, hold on. There's one other thing that I didn't tell you. And that's a, that's a very... Um, that was a very interesting thing for you to tell me because I've no one's ever talked about that on this podcast. So can you tell me, are you okay talking yeah. about that, um, yeah. that dynamic of that affecting your creativity? Definitely. So um, I was kind of really nervous to, you know, when I said it to you, I was like, that's important. It is absolutely part of, you know, my creative journey. But then I was like, oh gosh, if I go on a podcast and people listen, like that's, it's scary, but uh, it, it's so ingrained in like the my worldview that it would be impossible not to embrace it. So it's, you know, kind of how I decided to do it. But um, something, so, you know, I, I was diagnosed at 24. Um, <laughs> I, it really, you feel like you get thrown into the water and you're just trying to swim and find the surface and it's nighttime. So it's dark and you don't know which way is up and you just keep swimming until, you know, you hit the surface. Right. Um, and I'm really blessed to have a family who is supportive and who doesn't ostracize me. And I, when it happened back in 2014, I met a wonderful group of people who legitimately saved my life because they gave me friendship in a place where I was very, very alone. And um, it, it it impacted me in the way that I said, where like all of a sudden writing felt f stupid. It felt like, you know, my poetry or my fictions where I told stories that were, you know, I really enjoyed dystopian literature and kind of like the sci-fi side of things. And it just kind of didn't feel like it was significant. Um, but something that my diagnosis also did was 
help me to identify, like I, I personally identify as a queer person. Um, this is different for me from, you know, identifying as gay in that personally it means that, well, queer is an umbrella term that kind of helps to kind of encompass the LGBT community uh, in a lot. It also kind of means like weird or like against the status quo, right? And what my HIV diagnosis gave me and something that it will never, even if I they find a cure for it in the future, it will never take away is my ability to understand being kind of like a more marginalized individual. Like I, I'm a, I'm a white guy. Right. And so like overall, I have the privilege of being at the top of things where I don't have to really be, you know, under scrutiny in a lot of spaces. And because I'm also generally passing, like I am not super, you know, femme. And so I don't get a lot of pushback for a lot of my identities, but my HIV positive is some, uh, diagnosis is something that I can, that is something that people generally can't see, but I know the history. I know that if I was born a decade before, or, you know, if I was diagnosed a decade before I was right, I would not necessarily be in the same health situation. And, uh, you know, it's really as a 24 year old, it's really a huge change in your mindset and the way that you understand a lot of things. Right. Um, so it really like the, like being queer and, and it connects with the, how can I show you something that's real without it being something like, how can I show you something that you recognize without it being something that is you right. Without it being something that is real. Right. It's kind of a constant thought for me is, is my ability to exist inside of many of these marginalized spaces while being able to pass and my, you know, my ability to see both of those sides and to, and to connect those dots, right? Like that's where my, my diagnosis motivates me, you know, on a day, on, on a daily and and in my art, right? It's how can I get you to, how can I get you to see that we are the same, right? Regardless of our status or our race or our gender or our, you know, anything, right? Yep. And is your artwork oh, an extension of that? Like the stuff that you're doing now? Yeah. In a lot of ways, like when we think about art that is about, you know, HIV, we think of a lot of art that is really kind of like, you know, about, you know, it's kind of somber and it's kind of like massive, right? Uh, in, in what you have to process when looking at it. But it can be about normalizing and about identifying, right? And so while my subject matter that I paint is not specifically related to that, right? I do a lot of colorful things, a lot of animals, a lot of figures, right? But none of them are specifically, you know, trying to talk about AIDS or the HIV epidemic or any of those things. I, I'm motivated by, by understanding. I'm motivated by comprehension and identification and how you can spark joy in a person like how I it's how someone can look at my work and be like it's so fun it's so kinetic right it's so and like it doesn't matter necessarily who I am right or who is the subject of the art it's about the way that the art makes you feel 
I mean, that's maybe kind of a weird circuitous thought, but uh, you would you're very excited talking about the experience of how someone would feel looking at your artwork. I assume you would not be as excited talking about a poem or I love poetry. I okay. was a spoken word artist and I used to love like, I would like watch spoken word on the internet and I would memorize them. And then I would go do poetry slams and I would do my own stuff. And I loved that. And I loved theater. I loved telling a story. I think that that's something that I connect with a lot is telling a story. And with writing, you know, as especially as I've gotten older, I've been like, there are some people that are really good writers. <laughs> And then, you know, that's not, you know, my poem was maybe fun, but that maybe not, you know, life changing. Right. right. Um, but with art, it kind of feels in a little bit more permanent. People, people look at it and say, I want to put that somewhere. I want it to be visible all the time. You can read a poem, you can read a poem a hundred times, but you also, you know, put it away at the end of the day. So something about like people identifying and say, this is something that I want to keep around me. is just really like like refreshing and validating. And I found that in my visual art in a way that is happens kind of at a more regular basis than I did with my writing in a lot of ways, right? Okay, cool. I've never done any writing like creatively. So I've never put that type of stuff out. So my only experience is doing photography and uh, painting. So I feel like you're going to go back to the writing though. Because when you, the reason why I say that is the the way you describe the the connection and the storytelling, I feel like that's something that could happen in poetry writing and you know writing scripts. So yeah. I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. We'll we're gonna have to do a follow up. Right, a few years from now. Where where what's happened since? Right. <laughs> where are they now? Right. Exactly. Eager to know um, where are they now. There you go. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I like that. I, th- I still write sometimes. I, I feel out of practice now where like I'll have an idea and I'll kind of get a bunch of notes down. And then like three weeks later, I'll be like, wow, that was 25 minutes of inspiration. And then you never touched it again. Right. Um, but I think that there's something about visual art that I connect with. Like I'm, I'm also totally self-taught in the visual art capacity. I've taken like one five week class at uh, Lilith Street Art Center in Ravenswood. Um, but I, I want to get into sculpture. I want to start building like, like, you know, metalworking and stuff like that and, and creating 3D art. Uh, but Ben says I can't do it in the house. Ben is my partner. I have okay. to do it outside where I, you know, won't make a mess and won't destroy the floor. Well, I'm sure we can hook you up. I know some, I know a metal worker, so. Ooh, that sounds fun. That's what, that's the benefit of having a podcast is I meet all kinds of creative people the networking absolutely completely Um, and i think that like in a way to what you just said about the writing i because i also work like a nine to five that isn't my creative outlet right it's it's i still get to be creative at that job in in a little bit of a different way but um i it's not like i get to sit down and like write for eight hours or paint for eight hours a day right it's kind of like what i do in evenings and on weekends and i would love to be able to kind of like shift into that space but like, I mean, specifically being a person with HIV, medic, uh, you know, having med- uh, insurance is very important, right? Like if you don't have insurance, it makes it very difficult to afford 
the medication that you need. And so as like, I kind of, in a way, am in, you know, I, I'm kind of in the nine to five as a, as a rule for now, you know, with the current state of our uh, Medicare situation in America. Right. So, yeah. uh, I would love to be able to, you know, maybe I will start writing again. Maybe in the future when I don't have to be wed to the nine to five anymore and I get to sit down, maybe I'll be able to have time to put that together. But you kind of get out of college at this point, And I had like many, 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 many loans. And it was like, yeah. come and do, right? <laughs> Go get a job. So you've been producing a lot of artwork, but you're going to be doing this. Your desire is to become a full-time artist. So there's a lot of other stuff that needs to happen that's not creating creative artifacts. So what is it like? Are you working on all that stuff? And do you enjoy doing that stuff? Or is it annoying? And do you have people helping you and guiding you? So one person helping me and guiding me, my partner, Ben, who I mentioned a few minutes ago, is really great. We have, in many ways, very opposite personalities, but where I'm kind of the chaotic creative, he's kind of like the orderly. So like, it's good. It's a good match, because when I'm like this, he's like, well, let's try it this way instead. Um, so that's really been a great experience. <laughs> but um, I am trying so one thing i i haven't developed yet is my website and it's kind of because like there's a financial cost that comes with the website and you got to kind of make sure that this isn't just a hobby if, if you're gonna you know do the website so um because i kind of never had a you know degree in fine art i ne- or any kind of art i don't have like a teacher who's kind of taught me like here are the steps to becoming an artist it's kind of just like as i am like i'm ready to take this this you know next project on so currently i'm working on my website uh it's overall i think going pretty well uh i'm excited for its rollout uh my nine to five job is in software and i think that without the skills that i've learned there this would be a much different building experience but i'm lucky to have that so i finally got to a point where i'm like ready to start doing that and so that's been my most recent project okay great um, and then uh, other than that, uh, you know, kind of what, what we would put up next. I, I've got some ideas for like how to roll out new pieces. And since I'm going to have a new venue on the website, it's like, how can I, one thing I have to think about is like my accounting aspects of it and like keeping records of my costs and sales. And that's going to be something that I need uh, some uh, help with. So if there's any business analysts out there who want to help me with that, let me know. Reach out. Hey, hey. <laughs> How is it being an artist and producing all this stuff when you're not, you know, you're self, you're self-taught, so you don't have yeah. this, you know, this foundation? Is that scary? Is it? Um, do you feel lost and confused, or does it feel that you you don't have any rules to break? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of both. Uh, some of my big influences in art is are street art and pop art as well as impressionism and kind of all three of those things were kind of about breaking the rules in some way the impressionists were like we're going to do what we feel about color palette and stuff like that and not worry about realism street art is street art right there are no rules right and pop art also was kind of about like this is a new and different kind of art so breaking the rules is definitely something that i and like incur liking people who tried to think about breaking the rules is definitely you know part of my you know character but sometimes not having had a formal training is like 
am I doing this wrong or am I just, you know, bad, right? Like, you know, it's kind of really hard to understand and it can be incredibly frustrating because you're like, okay, I've been trying to use acrylic resin, but I can't get the bubbles out of it. And I can read the internet a hundred times, but like if the things that it's telling me to do don't work, it's really hard to know, like, am I just doing something a little bit wrong or should I try a totally other technique, right? <laughs> and so sometimes that's what I crave. I crave having someone who's like, Yes, here's, you know, here's how people have done it in the past. Here's a physical example of it, right? Um, and I think that that's what I kind of crave the most. But like you said, sometimes when you figure something out and you did it all by yourself, you're like, it's the best feeling in the world. You were like, yeah, like, and seeing kind of the projects that you really struggled with in the beginning turn into something that's a more feasible project or product is also a really, really great feeling when it, you didn't ask someone else for help. You just looked at it and said, this is wrong and I'm going to kind of fix it until it looks right. So it can also be a really, really rewarding experience. Well, good. Well, Alex, I am so happy and excited for you. You're so enthusiastic about what you're doing and your work. And that is, that's really exciting. So I'm really Thanks happy so for you. You're very welcome. Thank you for talking with me today. No problem. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, this was such a great experience and, and I was really excited to do it. So thank you so much. My name is Ricky McGeckrin and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.